0: Welcome to my podcast. Today, I want to welcome my guest Jens Jepsen and Chandler Morse from Workday. Before we start to talk about AI, global policies, impact and benefits, innovation, can you Jens and Chandler give us a short introduction of your role at Workday? Who would like to start? I can start. Uh, Chandler Morse. I'm Vice President
1: for Corporate Affairs. Uh, I manage all of Workday's um, public policy engagement. We have a, a team in the U.S. that includes federal and state and local engagement. We've got a team that Jens leads um, with a global footprint that he can talk about. And then we also um, ma- sustainability uh, operations and reporting is is in my portfolio as well.
2: Thank you, Chandler. And I'm Jens, uh, based in Brussels. Uh, I look after, as Chandler said, our our global team. So we have a small team uh, focused on policy uh, sitting here in Brussels. Uh, We have uh, a representative in the UK dealing with both public policy in the UK as well as uh, public sector enablement. And um, as of July, we have a uh, policy uh, shop in Singapore as well, looking after the uh, Asia Pacific region. This podcast
0: interests me quite a bit because it's the first time uh, we dedicated the podcast. or uh, We emphasized policy, AI policy in such a manner. And I think it's something that uh, has a huge impact for all our businesses, yours, mine, and everyone who's listening in. So I would like to start you know, and feel free to jump in, uh, whoever wants to answer or whoever wants to add uh, something to to the end. So how do you think does European policy influence U.S. policy when it comes to AI? I,
2: I can maybe start. Uh, so the EU has set itself up in the past decade or so as sort of the global uh, regulator of the global uh, lawmaker for the digital technology sector. It's done so with uh, GDPR, the data protection regulation, and is, is now doing that with uh, other pieces of legislation, um, most relevant, the uh, AI Act. So th- it is the first piece of legislation uh, uh, worldwide that aims to regulate this very broad set of technologies. Um it is still in in draft mode, and it'll take some time before it gets done. But I think uh, it's fair to say that uh, once it is done, uh, it will set uh, standards globally for companies in in the AI space, uh, because global companies will want to Uh, innovate to preferably one standard around the globe and so with the EU's being the first out of the block to set that standard uh, that will influence the way other countries and probably including the U.S. goes about uh, making policy for AI.
0: Chandler do you have something you would like to add to this or Jens did already complete job?
1: The the only thing I would add is sort of a U.S. dimension to that which is um, policy we spend a lot of time interacting with policymakers and and that trend that you that yen sort of clearly articulated sort of starting with gdpr here's a you know a big bill sets a a lot of requirements and ends up sort of being the de facto global standard um not not as many u.s lawmakers are familiar with gdpr and so we we spend some time educating folks sort of saying like hey we've a little bit we, we on ai we're saying we've seen this movie before the you know the the we saw it with gdpr europe decides to move forward they're very good at, at tech policy formulation we we it's it's you know a forte they're developing and so so we're sort of flagging to folks like hey we need to kind of really focus on ai policy in the us because we need to harmonize or influence or think about how this you know eu process is moving forward so that we can have some level of of cross collaboration um you know the us elections have just the, the dust is settling um it does look like uh it does look like they'll continue to be very thin margins in both the senate and the house that makes that makes policy development in congress pretty difficult um we, we've seen this before, uh, and so in some senses, we're interacting more with the with the Biden administration around the direction they wanna take AI policy, and we're also seeing quite a bit of activity at the state level, which is a trend that we're seeing in other instances in the US as well, where a little bit of frustration with Congress, and so the state
0: governments are moving forward. Uh, what's your opinion on uh, innovation? I mean, because I mean, policy regulation is a good thing, but it also limits sometimes free uh, thinking and you know, experimenting i mean it doesn't mean there's no experimenting and but it limits what's possible it's like telling someone you can only drive 50 miles an hour but racing is a different racing has a different uh, dynamic so do you s- feel anything in our space in the ai space that policy benefits uh, uh, how shall I say there are more benefits to the policies uh, to regulate the AI than the negative impacts
1: I think I think it's a I think it's a balance and I'm sure Jens has thoughts but the one thing that I would sort of throw in is all of our work in the policy advocacy space when it comes to AI is around building trust. And so, yes, we need to be able to innovate and, and we need a regulatory framework that allows for innovation, but all of that innovation doesn't really mean anything if people are terrified of the technology. And so what we really need is sort of hand in glove, trust and in, in, in innovation. And we don't think those two things are incompatible and we don't think it's that hard. I will say, and and you know Jens and I are looking at the US versus the EU, we're starting a little bit earlier in the learning curve in the US, I'll just be honest. Um, I think, I think Jens can talk a little bit more about, about how the EU is finding out that you can innovate and build trust at the same time in a policy environment.
2: Yeah, so uh, what Chandler articulated was actually the sort of philosophy that the European Commission stated when it published its, uh, its draft AI legislation. The idea was to create uh, simultaneously a, an ecosystem of trust and an ecosystem of excellence and so um I think at we we absolutely agree with those objectives and and as Chandler said uh safeguards uh, uh, that create trust are probably necessary for this market to develop um so whether the whether the end result in terms of the the final legislation will will strike that balance I think is is still um, it, it's still, uh open to uh to to question uh we have some fairly good proposals being made by uh the european member states uh in the european parliament we also have some very radical proposals um that would severely limit uh what companies can do and so the, the institutions will have to f- strike that balance uh, at the end to meet those dual objectives
0: so but if i understand correctly i mean there is a a friction between those, uh, you know, Europe and US in terms of, you know, means somebody might be a little more ahead of uh, legislation or policy, but most companies work globally. So it's probably hard sometimes to to customize uh, your solution with AI to each continent almost, you know. Or is I, that not the, is that not such a challenge?
1: Yeah, I um I want to um I want to I want to tweak the word friction. I, I'm I'm not sure that there's friction. In in fact, you know, Jens and I we spend a tremendous amount of time um working with policymakers around a handful of of issues associated with AI. Um, and what we're actually finding is there's a tremendous amount of alignment. Um, there's a timing issue that's, that's sort of where we, that's sort of where we are. The EU is moving forward and they're moving forward quickly. They are very interested in sort of, you know, they recognize that the U S is their largest, you know, one of where they're, one of the US's largest markets. And so getting sort of a schism or a break or having, having a bunch of friction there isn't helpful to anyone. Um, I'd point to the EU U S technology, uh, trade and technology council that was set up by the Biden administration and the um underline you know commission presidency as a as a, a a very clear proof point of the of the wanting to work forward together moving forward um I, I will also say that a lot of our time in the us is spent sort of trying to move people along as quickly as we can given the how far advanced the eu conversation is
2: if i can just supplement what what chandler said um if we look at Uh, the genesis of the of the AI act. So this was prepared uh, several rounds of consultation. There was a high level expert group. There was a white paper inviting comments from uh, third from interested parties. And so Workday participated early on in these processes. And so did other uh, US tech companies who are, of course, leading in many areas of of the AI industry, if you will. And so uh, so I think when we look at the the draft that came out, uh, that was clearly uh, that was clearly informed by the work that ML researchers and the thinking that ML and AI researchers had done, also in the US. Um, so I think when we look at sort of the requirements that are being uh, set out in in the uh, AI Act, those are the same types of issues that that uh, AI researchers and developers. Uh, have been thinking about uh, also in U.S. companies, so there is there's quite a, a lot of of uh, let's say uh, alignment as well.
0: We talked about policies, uh, benefits, uh, the global impact, how you're involved in it, and how does uh, all this uh, have an impact and effect on your customer base?
2: Yeah, so um, so both Channel and I have uh, participated in in panels on on these topics in on these topics at at our uh, recent uh, customer events rising, uh, as they're called. And so I think what customers are looking at is some degree of uncertainty. Uh, They understand um, that there is regulation on its way, policy is coming. um, They don't know exactly what that will look like. Uh, So what I think they're, they appreciate from Workday is, the understanding that Workday has, we have our finger on the pulse. We're engaged in these processes, and we will make sure that as these regulations uh, get finalized, uh, Workday solutions will comply with with those requirements, so that customers can use our applications with complete confidence.
1: And and looking at that that scope, um, we we often find ourselves. Uh, Trying to articulate a pretty clear definition of what AI is, AI is. It seems like a kind of an easy thing, but in a policy context, it's not. Um, so, for example, workday leaves a human in the loop in our AI applications versus truly sort of other use cases that are clearly just fully uh, automated. We we believe that AI is useful in augmenting human judgment and sort of putting the 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 worker in the best position to make the most informed decision. Uh, We also look at a nuanced risk-based approach that, you know, a couple of years ago, we were sort of pushing for a risk-based approach. Now that really, I think has landed, but we're just being really mindful that not every, you can't sort of label entire sectors like HR high risk because the use cases inside really vary. Um, Not unlike GDPR, there are very clear roles for vendors and for deployers. In in the GDPR case, it's controller and processor. In this case, it's sort of those who make the AI and those who are actually deploying them. There should be discrete, clear uh, sets of responsibilities for both. And there's been this sort of reach for third-party auditing as as this like panacea that's going to fix everything. And we think that's a little bit premature given the status of of where, where the current standards related to AI are. And not again. Not unlike GDPR, there are, there's an impact assessment policy approach that we favor over third-party audits. Um, and the last piece, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute, is really how do we leverage how do we leverage AI to get some of the benefits that everyone is sort of really hungry for? And that really centers on on our approach to skills. So that's what we're sort of bringing into the policy environment so that our customers can have a little bit more clear view of of how to implement these for the maximum benefit
0: you already made the introduction to the next question mm. so how do you leverage it you know since people yeah. would wait for the answer anyway but would have asked something else why doesn't he answer it i <laughs> you know the the you know for 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 us um for
1: workday is 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 all in on a skills-based approach employment um there's there are a myriad of reasons we could have uh you know a series of podcasts on on why not not the least of which is you know um there really is an equity piece to removing the need for for credentials and focusing on what people can do versus what people have been able to acquire specific credentials to do and so opening up employment and opportunity on a skills based focus really it's a it's a it levels the playing field and it really provides the kind of agility that both customers both employers and workers need we were very interested in a skills based approach prior to the covid pandemic but the covid pandemic has only emphasized the need for agility in the in the employment context both how do we get people from outside the workforce in without super high barriers and how do we get folks that are inside the workforce into that next level of of skill, next level of opportunity, and moving on in their careers. So there's a, a really a widespread view that skills are the lens through which the future of work is going to be viewed. That is the lens that Workday views the future of work. And it's almost, I would say this is my, you know, it's very, very difficult to see a skills approach at scale without a machine learning underlayer. Because one of the things that we know about skills is the data is noisy, it's difficult. When I say project management, Jens thinks something, you think something, and are we thinking the same thing? Without that sort of Rosetta Stone of a common language based on skills and a common relationship among individual skills that skills at scale that permeates through recruitment talent acquisition employee development like it, it it gets really challenging so all of the work we're doing in the ml space has to do with ensuring that there's a path forward for these technologies that we are so bullish on the on the benefits both for employers and for workers that can be done with a high level of trust
0: and uh would you like to add well i
2: this is a, a very don't good
0: have art- to, but I just uh, yeah. wonder if-
2: it's a it's a very good articulation of of, of the work they approach and I, I would just add that in fact we've had conversations with the European Commission um, they run projects where they try to make sure that skills are understandable and portable. Uh, in the labor market, and that means 27 different labor markets with something like 23 different languages as well. So they're actually, they're actually working on, let's say a version of, of what Workday is doing as well, uh, because everybody can see the need for a, an inclusive and, and, and open and fluid uh, labor market. Um, and these technologies are fundamental to achieving that.
0: What do you think differentiates Workday from your competitors? I mean, or from, you know, other other tech big firms, you know, in, when we're talking about AI policy, etc.
1: I can lead off on this. I think, you know, from my perspective, um, it's the breadth of the coverage of the issue for us. We are currently involved in the Canadian AI uh Regulatory process, as that moves forward, Jens can speak to the the work he's doing in in Brussels. We're active in D.C., both with the Biden administration as well as with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. We are working with lawmakers in California. We're working with lawmakers in in New York, New York City, Washington, D.C. There really isn't a conversation that's happening on AI regulatory policy that Workday isn't fully engaged in and the you know workday is a values driven company and and we that those values translate through everything we do and it translates into our advocacy so when we show up in a in a policy environment we show up the same way workday shows up everywhere which is rolling up our sleeves diving in being a partner like no other doing the hard thinking, coming up with the options, and just trying to be a trusted advisor in all of these. So when we say we're engaged, we're engaged with red lines of legislation, we're engaged with policy ideas, we're engaged with content that we can provide to try to help move the ball forward. Um, I just frankly don't see any other teams doing this work at the level we're doing it, and um, it's showing dividends. So in January, the U.S. will, National Institute for Standards and Technology will finalize their um, their AI risk management framework, NIST has is is legendary in their framework work. They are a global leader in cybersecurity through their cybersecurity framework. Yes. Workday was heavily involved in ensure in in achieving language that was included in legislation that asked NIST to take up the AI risk management framework work. So not only are we engaged in a breadth of issues, we're actually starting to see. Direct results of that engagement, which I'm super proud of.
2: That that's absolutely true, and I, and I think you can you, you can you, when you look at it, the the next steps in in AI regulation, there's going to be a technical standards set that will be the way in which companies um, comply with rec- with requirements of of AI legislation, and I think it's quite possible and certainly desirable that the work that NIST has already done uh, influences the work that goes on in standards organizations, which will then form the basis of uh, the compliance framework for the EU AI Act. So we're actually looking at a uh, sort of a more holistic uh, environment than, than meets the eye in that sense. At least that's the way we would like it to go. And that's what we're advocating for they always say in a, in this business you have to be able to set your predictions from your preferences
1: and in this case <laughs> I think that's <laughs>
0: you know I've read something about uh maybe we talked about not uh before about the National AI Advisory Committee yeah. Yeah. you know uh, and uh can you elaborate a little bit on this
1: yeah so the National AI Advisory Committee was created uh by Congress um and and it was uh uh, uh an advisory committee set that that the white house is set up with the goal of advising the White House on as we've, you know, one of the, I think the takeaways of this podcast is how how wide the AI policy aperture is at the moment. I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, and recognizing that, the White House has set up a National AI Advisory Committee uh, with um, academics, corporate interest um, uh, agency officials. And so um, Cheyenne Chakraborty, our uh, Executive Vice President for Product and Technology, was nominated and, and was appointed to that committee. Um, and so not only are we looking to influence policy, but we're also looking to influence the White House as as they're sort of thinking about how this moves forward. His particular interest, he's on the Workforce Working Group and the International Cooperation Working Group. So two swim lanes that are sort of clearly within uh, an area that that Workday has a view, Um, particularly interested on workforce, sort of how that's gonna move forward and what the data looks like and what the data needs there. And then international cooperation, much of what we've talked about here. How do we sort of make sure that there's alignment and harmonization between the EU and the US as, as these processes move forward? It's a real achievement that he's on that committee, and um, and and super exciting.
0: I mean, you're you're in a space uh, work that uh, addresses probably one of the biggest fears of AI, you know, the future work, and uh, I think uh, you're likely probably one of the leaders that addresses this closer than any other company because it's probably in your DNA of your work and your and your company. Hundred percent. Absolutely, is there something you would like to say before we finish the, our podcast?
2: Well, uh, I'll be as it happens uh, tomorrow uh, uh, doing a panel uh, on this topic. We're talking about AI and skills. Uh, we'll have a uh, one of the leading members of European Parliament uh, on the panel as well as uh, the head of the uh, OE uh, the OECDs uh, AI department. And um, I think when we look at at, at a high level, I think that there have been a lot of fears around AI in the workplace. Uh, There's been a lot of fear around displacement of jobs, uh, about the possibility of uh, discrimination and bias in uh, AI tools. Um, However, I also think that the the reality is more nuanced, and the realization is uh, also that Actually, these tools are unlikely to uh, replace people in the workplace. Uh, People's jobs will evolve and change as technology changes. Um, They're also uh, used correctly. Uh, These tools will augment and enhance uh, human decision-making, not replace human decision-making.
0: Before we finish our podcast, would you gentlemen like to add uh, some thoughts that uh, I missed asking?
1: What I'd like to close with is that a recent study by the World Economic Forum found that 42% of workers were gonna need to be reskilled in the next three years. That's about a billion workers by 2030. Uh, there's, there's unbelievable opportunity to apply trustworthy tools driven by machine learning to help meet that challenge. And Workday's right there to to do that as we move forward.
0: Jens, would you like to add something? Actually, I think Chandler said it very well. I also like to, when I give speeches, I give some, some example of Excel sheets. You know, when they came up, accountants were afraid they would lose their jobs, you know? But then they realized that basically, it gave him more time to do different things, and you know, leave his uh, calculations to the machine. And I think uh, as much as I'm sometimes also afraid that the AI might reduce the workforce, but uh, on the other hand, I also believe that uh, with uh, that the the way forward is reskilling people, helping them to augment the the possibilities of AI. So thank you very much, Chandler and Jens, uh, for being on my
2: show. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much.